Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Jenny Colapitro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers. And I am Igor Belakronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I get to help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. And Jenny and I are very excited today to have with us Glenn Hunsinger and Greg Rotz. Glenn leads our pharmaceuticals and life sciences sector, and Greg leads our transformation consulting practice in the pharma and life sciences. They're industry leaders, and they're not just thinking about what's next in pharma, they're actually making it happen. So welcome to the podcast, Glenn and Greg. Thanks, Igor. Thanks, Jenny. Fantastic. Glenn, we had you here six months ago talking about headwinds and tailwinds in the life sciences industry. And it's been a very long and eventful six months. And the two of you have recently released a beautiful new report called Next in Pharma that talks all about what's next for the industry. And so I'm wondering if you could get started by just giving us the highlights of the report, and then we'll dig deeper into it. Thank you, Igor. Thank you, Jenny. So excited to be back with my esteemed colleague, Greg Ross here. You know, for us, we're super passionate about finding ways to help our clients in the industry be more successful. One of our goals of this report was really to take a step back and figure out how is our market performing? Obviously, there's been tremendous breakthrough in science when we think about mRNA technologies around cell and gene therapy, oncology, Alzheimer's, uh, rare disease, and otherwise. But when we took a step back and we looked at how did the market and the pharma companies perform, they actually underperformed the market over the last one, three, five, seven years. And so for us, it was very important to be able to look at that and try to identify in a situation where pharma has had unprecedented breakthrough in life-saving and curing science, how can it possibly have underperformed? And what do we need to do to help our clients perform above market? And so for us, taking a step back, really looking at this from our client's lens, really looking at from shareholders. And while patients are the most important thing, and I think we and our clients wake up every day, focus on patients, it's important that the returns are there because without it, you don't get the appropriate capital allocation, which is so important to be able to fund the next wave of breakthrough science. So we feel like we have a view to share the market to help our clients really get to that next level. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned the underperformance of the pharma sector. Maybe we could dig a little deeper into that. Greg, what are some of the challenges that pharma companies are facing? There are a number of paradoxes, Jenny. On the back of all the success that Glenn had mentioned and all the breakthroughs in science, the flip side is that as the industry's gotten better at targeting medicines to specific patient populations, so precision medicine, the size of the patient population for those medicines is actually getting smaller. So one of the returns challenges is figuring out a way to generate the economics on a smaller patient pool. Another issue, of course, that you see in the newspapers all the time is drug pricing. And whether it's governments around the world that are putting actions in place to deal with affordability challenges, or whether it's just simply through the direct competition in the marketplace of more of the same therapies in the same category competing against each other, we continue to see that there's more pressure on net prices. And that's been a big driver of the industry's success in the past. And then finally, I would just say, like all industries, there continue to be challenges related to inflation, labor. The pharma industry is a human capital intensive industry. 
And as we've seen labor rates and other drivers of inflation go up, this continues to put pressure on the P&L. So in consulting, they taught us not to come with problems, but rather with potential solutions. And Greg, you've outlined some pretty serious challenges on the horizon, particularly around the economics. So Glenn, how do we think about those challenges and overcoming them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing that's clear to us is we believe pharma has to actually outperform other industries in order to get their fair share of returns. While it may be unfair that they get constant scrutiny around drug pricing, compliance, and all these other things that lead to tremendous headwinds, we take a step back. We just think, you know what? Talented people, talented companies, we can overperform. And when we look at that, we think there's five key actions that everyone can take to really drive that. One, have differentiated capabilities to outperform competition and everything else. People really need to understand what are their core competencies? What do we do great? How do we extract those? And how do we continue to build other things that'll be differentiated in the market outside the industry, but also differentiated against peers? That's one. Two, when we think about all the investments around IT, cloud, and otherwise, it's not just a back office situation. Companies need to really get the returns on those investments and drive patient experience, the interaction with research, real world evidence, everything to be able to harness data and use data more efficiently, more effectively. So when we take a look at that, we think kind of tech enabling the companies, tech enabling things as far as patient experience is super important to be able to drive those efficiencies. Three, we think about talent, you know, we're in the great resignation, the talent war, culture is so important. For our industry, now is the time that everyone can double down on the talent. There's no greater purpose that the things that everyone's doing in our industry day in, day out, are saving lives. And so really doubling down on that culture aspect of it, fostering the innovation and making sure you have an environment that people feel trusted is super critical. And that's gonna win out on the war on talent. When we look more broadly at strategic decisions, portfolios, you know, everyone spent a lot of time trying to figure out where do they invest? What areas do they continue to push on in their business? Continuing that is certainly something to do. But we would also add that the idea of having the best ecosystem and being the partner of choice and being able to leverage what do we do great? Why does everybody else want to partner with us? And it being okay that it's not born here. So looking at the world more broadly, leveraging partnerships more effectively and having that ecosystem, we think could give better shots on goal, give better opportunities, and can make sure companies are not missing out on the next great breakthroughs in technologies. And then the fifth thing, which is really important, we're talking about things that are really going to take our industry forward. But at the same point, we have to protect the enterprise. So thinking about issues around cyber, legal, compliance, quality, ethics. Again, we don't want to have that destroy the value that's been created. So having that lens is super critical because it's not all about going forward and up. It's also about protecting the enterprise. So if we focus on those five things, and obviously there's going to be pieces underneath that that we'll talk through. But focusing on that and really driving some of these things we think could be the North Star here. Yeah, sounds like there's some great opportunities for success. Greg, can you share a little bit more about what capabilities are critical to drive that differentiation and competitive advantage? Yeah, sure, Jenny. And let me just say that we see the leaders in our pharma industry putting a lot of time and energy into picking the right therapeutic areas to focus on and 
selecting the right products to prioritize in their portfolio. And there's no question that there's a lot of focus inside of our clients on assets, right? Which products, which drugs to be advancing. And the thesis we're putting forward here is there should be as much time spent on capabilities because capabilities are the enduring force that really drive competitive advantage. And as Glenn already indicated, our view is competitive advantage will be more and more important. And it won't be just based on the drugs you pick or the therapeutic areas you're in. So what are they? First and foremost, we see a shift coming in the clinical trial model to push clinical trials closer to the patient through decentralized trials. And that's a different capability for how to run a trial. So companies will need to be really good at the skills, the knowledge, the know-how, the processes, data collection that go into decentralized trials. Real-world evidence. This isn't new. Real-world evidence has been around for a while, but the next chapter in this capability is really about harnessing the longitudinal patient data and really capitalizing on enriched electronic health records to really get out where medicines really work and the comparative effectiveness between drugs. There's a big digital wave out there, and there's a set of capabilities around capturing that wave that include really harnessing the human-machine interface at scale, thinking about automation, analytics, and artificial intelligence, not just in a pocket here of drug discovery or in a control tower in the supply chain, but really across the enterprise on how to reinvent work and push to the next generation. Similarly, when you think about digital in the value proposition, the capabilities to create and design, get approved and commercialize digital therapeutics are different than physical therapeutics. That will also be a next generation capability. And then two more to close it out. The customer engagement model of the future will be different, requiring different capabilities on virtual engagement, how to leverage the metaverse and so on. And there's a next generation capability here for pharma around value-based resource allocation that really focuses on aligning the spend with where the value really will be generated going forward. So that half dozen capabilities are the six things that we would say are really important for company leaders and strategic planners to make sure that their companies are on top of. Greg, this is an ambitious wish list of capabilities and presumably some will be homegrown and others might come from deals or partnerships. So maybe let's switch gears and talk a little bit about deals in the industry. Glenn, you gave us an update six months ago about what was happening in that space. How would you update your thoughts and what's your outlook on industry deals? Thank you, Igor. Yeah, when we spoke about six months ago, there was a level of excitement, hopefully, in my voice that thought that this year would probably be the most buoyant year for m and I'd be happy to report that I was completely wrong. The first six months have probably been some of the lowest in the last sort of five plus years. I think the level of activity we're seeing as far as what people want to do and the fundamentals all remain the same, which is everyone has a growth agenda. Everyone has a capital availability to get after it. There is great science out there and everybody is solving for pipeline challenges and holes around patent cliffs starting in 24 on forward. So it doesn't change the profile of things. What we've seen in the first six months is a lot of evaluation, but not a lot of deals getting done. Why is that? One, I think there's been a lot of great science that's been funded. So if you look at just the amount of biotechs that have been funded over the last couple of years, it was almost 8x versus previous years before. And so a lot of great science got funded. 
it takes time to sort of sort through where the good versus great is as one thing. Two, the continuous pressure around the FTC on larger transactions is real. So some of the larger deals that may have otherwise been done, I think there's some natural apprehension that may be locked up for 12, 16, 18, 24 months in order to get something sort of closed. So when we take a step back, things haven't happened. That said, still feel very buoyant about what we expect to happen in the back half of the year. There's a ton of activity going on in the space. And whether it's a continuation of the 5 to $15 billion biotech deals, which we think will happen, but we also think there'll be some you know, medium to larger size deals that'll happen this year as we look forward. So deals is a fabric of the industry, partnerships, transactions, JVs in all form will continuously be part of what people need to do to maximize value. With the capital availability and the great science out there, we're still very buoyant that the second half of the year will be very active. First half, not as much on just getting the dollar amount of deals done, but certainly the number of deals was still very active. So we're still buoyant. I hope to report back in six months that this time I got it right, Igor. <laughs> okay. Greg, you mentioned a topic near and dear to my heart, digital. And clearly we see digital as a key theme all throughout healthcare, as well as other industries. Can you share a little bit more about how the digital agenda fits into all of this? Yeah, sure, Jenny. And you're dead on. I mean, I think there's been a lot of talk about digital. And as we've seen in other sectors, there's a real value creation opportunity from digital. I think the potential ahead here for pharma is really to take digital and drive ROI. We've done some work in the past around some of the frustrations that leaders have in really driving value out of digital in the pharma industry. And in our work, we really see that showing up in three ways. One is digital is a key part of the capabilities that I was talking about, whether it's capabilities in next generation customer engagement or whether it's capabilities that have to do with expanding the value proposition in digital therapeutics. There is no question that harnessing the full power of digital in those capabilities will be a critical ingredient. The second way digital shows up in our work is through some business model choices. Beyond capabilities, leaders inside of pharma face some choices about where and how they want to play in the digital health landscape, which seems to be expanding every single day. Do they want to leverage their knowledge in biology to be more in digital diagnostics, not just in therapeutics? Do they want to play in connected health solutions? These are some business model questions that are important to wrestle as well as part of the digital agenda. And then finally, what underpins all of this is the journey to the cloud. And every pharma company is on the journey to the cloud. The question is, are they taking full advantage of that and not just leveraging cloud to lower infrastructure costs, but really thinking about the transformative power of the cloud native solutions that can be built and power everything we're talking about. So for sure, this is a key theme and for sure it's embedded in the work that we've just published in a number of ways. Great. Well, before we wrap up, I'd be interested in your perspectives on what a healthcare executive could do differently tomorrow to begin addressing value growth in the face of the headwinds to come. Yeah, so what we're talking about with our clients, Jenny, in the first instance, really is just kind of taking a self-assessment up against the perspectives that have come out of our work. So really holding up the mirror and saying, is there a clear vision inside the company to drive this capability agenda that we're talking about? Is the 
strategy for how to deal with these business model choices really clear? And is the culture an attractor of talent and a a magnet of talent? And so on down the list, right? So I think something that every executive can do immediately is take this framework and do a bit of self-reflection and say, how are we really doing? If we buy into this is a recipe for success going forward, what we found with most of our clients is the report card is kind of mixed. Some areas are underway and going fine. Other areas are feeling like they're lagging behind. Each company is in their own specific situation. And this is a good framework for taking stock, especially as we're now getting into the second half of 22 on what are some of those priorities that jump out. And we really need to be driving and accelerating as we go through the rest of the year. And Jenny, I would add, in order for our clients and our industry to really compete long-term, we have to start thinking more and more like tech companies. We have to embed digitizing everything in the industry and in everything we do. And so being able to do things faster, quicker, better, with better quality, having more insights to make better decisions more real-time is going to be super critical. The idea of capital allocation, making good decisions in a situation where the speed of change is not slowing down is going to be super critical. So I think any executive at any level can drive that technology agenda and really look for their teams, both from a business-led, tops down, what can we do to drive better insights in more real time, the idea of more thinking and less doing, but also at the same time, empower their teams and use it as a tool to drive more citizen-led development. And if you can kind of harness the tops down, bottoms up, we think massive efficiencies can happen. And that's where I think we can see the biggest improvements from a value creation standpoint for our industry. So super exciting. Glenn and Greg, thank you for helping us peer into the future of pharma. And it looks pretty exciting. It looks fast and innovative and all about talent and value. And we look forward to having you back to tell us how it's all developing. So thanks for spending time with us and sharing your insights. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.